Good morning. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, if you turn your Bibles there. Take a look at your bulletins. See all that we've got coming up this week, all that's coming up in the near future. Marriage conference is coming up. Have a men's conference coming up in February. We have a, a new sermon series on Wednesday night that will deal with our families called Smart Home. I hope that you'll consider bringing your kids and students to ministry and adults staying in as we look at our families this new year. And today as we continue to discuss change, personal change, and change that matters. And if you will, we, we can't get enough prayer. This is a house of prayer. We had a prayer service Wednesday night. Let's just pray one more time if you don't mind uh, before we start. Lord, I just ask God that you would speak so plain to us. And Lord, remind us that the word that you give us, you don't leave that to us to handle by ourselves. But God, you give us your spirit, which empowers us to live out the truth before a lost and dying world. Lord, we love you and thank you for your grace. And thank you, Lord, for never leaving us alone, for never being too far away. And God, would you make your truth plain to us now, Lord, so plain that we can take it with us and live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that I like to do when I sincerely take a break from the world during vacation, Christmas vacation, when our family gets away, holiday break, whatever you want to call it, is to take part of the time to get caught up in a random television show. Usually that random television show is reality TV of some sort, and my favorite random TV show that I've ever gotten caught up in was Appalachian Outlaws. Y'all remember that? Okay, ten people have seen it. It was with the hillbillies and the ginseng and the Appalachian Mountains. Ah, whatever. It's discontinued now, so it wasn't that great. But I got caught up in it and just downtime, right? Well, this year's random show during part of our time of break was Restaurant Impossible. Restaurant Impossible. Have you ever seen this? Anybody ever seen Restaurant Impossible? So, restaurant, some people are like, I'm afraid to admit it. It's okay. Restaurant Impossible is where there's a dying restaurant and an incredible chef and an experienced restaurateur comes in with $10,000 and two days to basically flip this dying restaurant that is in need of change. Well, in this one particular episode that I was watching, there is a restaurant owner and a chef, and his name is Robert. And it was Robert's way or the highway. It, it was what he wanted to do, and everybody else had to get in line with that. No contribution of thought. This is where he was going. The TV host comes in, and he takes his money and his crew and two days' worth of work, and he begins to change what is broken within that restaurant. And, and the show leads you to believe that towards the end of the time that things have actually changed, that everybody's attitude is great, his leadership has done a 180, his marriage is even healthier, and things are going in the right direction. And as far as the video shows you, it's like, wow. What a change that this is all created. But just before the time of the television goes off and switches to the next show, it says this in words on the screen. After the show, sales were up and Chef Robert was working on the financials and his marriage. But a few weeks later, the old Chef Robert returned. 
sales slumped, and staff members left, and his wife still holds out hope that he can change. For a lot of us, this hits too close to home, doesn't it? Man, we're going to do it. This time, we're going to do it. We're going to make it. We're going to make a difference. We're going to turn the page. Better day. And then, for whatever reason, we begin falling off. Lasting change that matters requires the power and the mind to move away from ourselves and closer to the will and way of God. Let me say that one more time. Lasting change, and not just change for the sake of change, but lasting change that matters requires the power and the mind to move away from ourselves and closer to the will and way of God. The greatest change you can make, church, the greatest change that we can make as individuals is the one that God is already working on within us. It's the one that God is pulling us towards. It's the one where God is moving us from our old nature of sin and self and death to the new nature of life and freedom and relationship with God. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Throw it off. Get rid of it. The former way of life. Your old nature, this is what we began to discuss last week. And it's either the way of life, for those of us who are here today, it's either the way of life that is in our rearview mirror, or it's the way of life that we're still tracking on today. That old way that is corrupted by lust and deception. For the Christian, this is the life that you had before conversion. Before you sought God for forgiveness and for God to take you over. This is the old manners. This is the old customs. This is the old language. This is the old cravings. This is everything in our life that was contrary to Jesus that left us lost. Our life was unaffected by faith and it only continued to get unhealthier. Which is why the Spirit's conviction got to us to drag us away from that old so that God could give us new life. The old nature is everything that we wanted to be forgiven of and everything that we wanted to get rid of because the old nature always makes us promises, but it never delivers. If you are a forgiven person in here today, don't forget that. The old nature that you battle with is the same one you went to God with. The old nature that we entertain is the same nature that we cried out to God for forgiveness over. And so the change that God is working within us is to move us from that old self to a new man. Now make no mistake, if you have called upon the Lord to be saved, you have recognized that you are a sinner, that you are in need of God's grace to save you, and you have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus because Jesus has accomplished the work of your forgiveness on the cross. If you have called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, your old status or your old position has been crucified, dead, and buried with the Lord Jesus Christ. That means you've been given a new position. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. So when we stand and sing, this is why. We thank God for the forgiveness and the right standing that he gives that we cannot earn, but by his way of grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, the object 
of our religion, if you're the object of our relationship, the object of this denomination, the object of this pastor and person is the Lord Jesus. Listen, but while your old position is dead, your new position is defense. The old position is dead in Christ. The new position is defense in the Spirit of God. The Bible says, throw it off, the old nature. Other translations say, put away, cast off, lay aside, let go, get rid of, keep it off. The new position is defense. We know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, we know that our old sinful selves was crucified with Christ so sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Is your old nature losing or winning? Check the spiritual scoreboard. Are you winning or are you losing? Because Jesus didn't die for you to lose. Jesus died on the cross so that sin might lose its power in our lives. You no longer have to lose because of the power of the Spirit of God in you. It's sin that now loses when we are putting off the old nature and putting on the new nature. Therefore, we will reflect God's glory and the good of man. Real salvation is faith in the finished work of Jesus and repentance of sin, which is a turning from sin, which means to change, that is generated by the Spirit of God inside of you. And that change, that spirit-driven, is towards a total submission to God. I'm going to ask this question later, but I'm going to ask it right now. Who told us that it was a halfway submission to God? Who's told us that? Is the Spirit of God ever given any one of you that have been renewed in Christ the okay to just be halfway a Christian? It's towards total submission to God. And when you read the Bible, you will see two things. You will see the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. Your new position that has been crucified, dead, and buried in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, that is the work of the sovereignty of God. The responsibility of man is now our practice of defense. We are commanded to daily defend against the old nature creeping back in. Because we who are believers are to be representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. Together for the glory of God and the good of man. And note this. If we do not daily defend against the old nature, we will daily be a part of the old mission. Did y'all hear that? If we do not daily defend against the old nature, we will daily be a part of the old mission. What's the old mission? Just to serve sin and self. To serve ourselves. We can't give any thought of reaching anybody else because, Lord, you know you got to work on me. For how long? For how long? Till you get to heaven? Till we get to heaven and that reach the soul for the gospel? You see, if we keep that old nature on us without defending it off time after time and day after day, we'll never accomplish a new mission because we keep living in the old man. And the Bible's instruction for us is to throw it off. And this is associated with changing clothes. Now, when you come into the house with those worn out, stained, filthy clothes, what do you put on? What do you put on? And the reason I ask that is because the change from the old nature to the new nature is dependent upon what the new nature should look like. When you take off the old, stained, filthy, worn out clothes and you put on those bright new Christmas clothes, right? Anybody wearing? I'm just kidding. You don't have to answer that. 
But you know that they're there. You know that's what you put on. You know to be in a clean house, you need clean clothes. And so you have the knowledge of what to put in. Look back at verse 20 and 21. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off the old and put on the new. Since you have learned about Jesus and since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, the Bible goes on to say, throw off the old nature, put on the new. You see, that word since indicates that because you learn the truth about Jesus, you will know the way to live in Jesus. Because you have learned about Jesus, you will know how to throw off the old and what should be the new. That word since indicates that it is dependent upon the knowledge of Jesus in order for you to put on the new nature. Because Jesus is our example. He is our standard. I have personally, y'all, this week... I personally considered this teaching of truth in my own life and for the life of us. How so? This week, I took just a few minutes during sermon prep to ask this question. Did Jesus have downtime? And if he did, what did he do with it? Did Jesus have vacation time? Did he have downtime and what did he do with it? Why did I ask that question? Because downtime is a part of our life. And any part of our life can have our old nature or our new nature. Now, we live in a part of the world where people have the means to take many instances of downtime. And that means that in that downtime, when we break from what we've got going on, that our old nature can have that or we can surrender that to our new nature. And the difference between the two is knowing who Jesus is, what he did, and how he handled it. So, we study the Bible. Y'all, when you study the Bible, here's what you're going to find out. Jesus worked hard. I want you to think of it like Jesus was on tour for most of his adult life. He traveled around. He taught the multitudes. He shared before a few, traveling and teaching, teaching and traveling, preaching and healing and miracles, always in demand. Y'all, to be completely honest, Jesus was busy. I mean, every time he sat down, people were like, hey, we need you. There's instances in the scripture where he's tired and he's ready to rest, but a crowd forms and the Bible says he's moved with compassion. So he takes the opportunity to continue to do what God the Father has called him to do. But the scripture does say and, and suggest that Jesus seeks retreat to rest and to rest often to pray. Listen to the Bible in Mark chapter 6, verses 30 and 31. Mark 6, 30, 31. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. And then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this, the Bible says, because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles did not even have time to eat. His schedule was so busy and his life and individual ministry in so demand as well as the apostles they did not have any time for downtime in fact the king james version says it this way they had no leisure they had no time for good time they had no time for downtime and so my thought went from when it says they had no time for leisure my thought used to be that every time Jesus took a break, he would go up into the hills and pray, and Lord have mercy, help me to get to that place. 
But when I read this, it says they have no time for leisure. Now it gives me a picture of Jesus taking his disciples like down to the water. And some of them are like playing cards. I don't know if they had cards. Just go with it. Okay, some of them were skipping rocks, right? Like they were talking and laughing. Their minds are having a break. They're eating, laughing. And so Jesus was looking for this rest because in who we are, in our physical state, as Jesus was fully man, we have to have times where we break. Listen. The thing is, though, is I drew this line in the middle between new nature and old nature. Old nature wants to take everything you got and turn it to sin. Old nature wants to take everything you got and turn it away from God and anything holy. The old nature wants to creep into your downtime. The old nature wants your leisure time to be your priority time. To where during the week and your purpose and you're around people and we got church and we got where we're around people and we're gathering together and there's responsibilities. The old nature wants to take your life and make your leisure your priority. If we can just get to the weekend, if we can just get to the vacation, the old nature wants to make your downtime indulgent to where when you get away, you get away big time. When you live it up and you do all kinds of things, the old nature wants you to make your downtime fulfilling. If we can just get to this, that's when we'll be all right. You see, I've never seen anybody, though, that took the perfect vacation because they go again. It's just never fake. It's never fulfilling. Every Christmas break. Heck, half the time, I've heard three, four people this week say, I'm glad it's over. So the break that we were looking for did not give us what we needed. It did not fulfill. So the old nature, though, wants you to keep searching after that time that's going to leave you unfulfilled. The old nature towards downtime will play to the desires of your flesh. Just however you burn off steam, however you relieve stress, it's okay. Fulfilled desire, that's the downtime. That's not in your real time. Let me tell you something. But that isn't what you learned about Jesus, is what the Bible says. That isn't what you learned about Jesus. That's what the Scripture teaches today. Look at verse 20. Again, as we're looking at 17 through 19, those that are living for themselves, far from God, the Bible says, live no longer that way because verse 20 says... That is not what you learned about Jesus. So it's everything, every corner of our life, Christ has access to and wants the new nature in. Jesus sought out rest because his life was spent on purpose. That's why he sought out rest, so he could get up and keep going great again. His rest was, as one source puts it, and this is good, his rest was necessity, not luxury. Rest and retreat was a real factor in his life and his instruction. But it was never recorded as sinful. It was never recorded as destructive or distracting. It was never a part of where it knocked him off of his mission. It was so that he could be filled up to keep going. And very much was his rest and retreat and downtime and leisure time, very much a part of it was purposeful time with the Father. This is how it works. The old nature, again, deceives. The old nature makes you think, you do you and get yours, and it's going to be fulfilling, and then you'll be fine. But the new nature and the Word always tells you the truth. The Bible says, since you have learned the truth about Jesus, since you have learned the truth about Jesus, so one more Sunday, and maybe two more, I'm going to ask again. Christian, what have you learned about Jesus? What have you 
learned about Jesus because this is where the change happens from the old to the new. This is when the new change will have purpose and power and meaning. What have you learned about Jesus? On a cold January morning, a man stood in a busy Washington, D.C. metro station and started to play the violin. He played beautifully for about 45 minutes, welcoming those who would enjoy his music or even those who would tip him a little bit for the effort in a subway station. And in the time that he played, only about six people stopped. And a handful more stayed to listen to him masterfully play the violin. There were times when he would finish an old, beautiful piece. And as he got finished, there was nothing. Silence. No applause. Only the sounds of people walking in the subway. When the hour was up, in his case, he had made $32 in tips. The musician before the passerbys of the Washington, D.C. metro station that day was named Joshua Bell. And he is one of the most talented musicians in the world. This was an experiment put on by a, a news outlet in Washington. Just a couple of days before, Joshua Bell had played a theater in Boston where he had sold it out for $100 at least on average a ticket. The violin that he played was worth $3.5 million. You see, there was no response from the near 1,000 people that passed him by in an hour because while they somewhat acknowledged what he did, they did not know who he was. And because they did not know him, their lives were uninterrupted by him. Again, before the Bible says, throw off your old nature, the scripture says, since you have heard the truth about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. To have Jesus is to hear Jesus, Christian. To have Jesus is to want to know him. To make sure that you get there to learn about him. To make it priority in our life so that we understand the truth because what we have called on him to forgive us from the truth about how to live apart from that is in him what have you learned about Jesus the knowledge of Jesus and God's Word all together defines and labels the practical outworking of the new nature but if we only appreciate Jesus without really knowing Jesus we just gonna pass him by on a few Sundays life interrupted what will you know of God's Word tomorrow? What will you know of Jesus throughout the next year, the next week? Let me make this real practical because you're here at church and our idea of what we're supposed to do as a staff here at church is make a way for you to know Jesus. How have you gotten to know the Lord in the past year? Are you in a group that studies the Bible? Why are you always talking about groups? Because it's in the Scripture. Are you in a group that studies the Bible together? If you are, if you are, great. Don't miss two weeks in a row. Somebody write that down for yourself. If you're in a, and if you're in a group, don't miss two weeks in a row. The reason is because you miss two weeks in a row, you'll think, we haven't been in two weeks. We'll start again in the next semester. You come back. Don't miss two weeks in a row. Those folks are preparing to teach you about Jesus. Get your tail in that circle and learn. Oh, my goodness. I've said heck and tail. I guess that's, I guess that's okay. Wow. All right. 
if you're not in a group, give it a shot. Man, there's, there are, Brittany and I for the last, well, it's been two years now. Because we started to go to every group in our church to meet people, to get to know one another. And that lasted for two Sundays and then COVID hit. And then when we started back, we did two services, so we still weren't able to get to a group. And almost every single Sunday since we've been able to go, Brittany and I have been going to each individual group and just kind of sharing our story together, listening and learning. And we love it, man. Like, in our church is just real people that, that know who they are and know who God's called them to be. There's no perfect people there, ourselves included. But there's time with the Lord together to where iron sharpens iron and you're an encouragement to one another. I'm telling you, if you want your change to stick for the next year, make the church smaller where you move from the rows to a circle. Give it a shot. If you don't know how or what you're doing, that little QR code that's in front of you, if you'll put your camera phone up on that and you'll fill it out through our website, we can help you to know where to go next. I hope that you will entertain the thought of, of being a part of a group, a group that can help make these things plain to you together. Secondly, if I, I want to add, well, let me, let me give you this illustration before we move on, I, because I just added it to my notes before church as it hit me. Y'all, when I was at Lindsay Lane East, it was a Tuesday afternoon in the wintertime and it was kind of cold. I was in there studying in the sanctuary by myself, sitting at the back. I hear the door open and there's a lady that walks in and she's fully dressed for church on a Tuesday morning. And Lord help her, she was losing her mind. Beloved member of our church, sweet, precious lady that had been dedicated to our church. And as her mind was beginning to fade, it was like the default of her new nature was church. Come on. If my mind goes out and is starting to fade, will I get dressed up and the default of my body get me to this house? Ooh. Get yourself, get yourself in a group. Study the Bible. Know Jesus. Are you regularly reading the Word of God? Hey, we can talk about reading here all day, but we're only here, we're only here about three hours, four hours, five hours at max a week. Are you reading the Bible daily? And you think, I don't know where to start. Just start. First, trust the Holy Spirit of God that while you are reading His Word, the Spirit works together with His Word and makes it plain the truth of God. Don't you tell God you can't understand. He's put it together so you can. So the first thing is to trust the Spirit of God, get you a Bible that speaks to you in your heart language that people have made diligently through to make sure that it's saying what it should say, and trust the Spirit of God. But as you read and read daily, because we are seeking to know Jesus to move away from our old nature to our new nature, as you read, ask these two questions when you read. What does this passage teach me about God? What does this passage teach me about me or man? It'll help you as you read the Bible. Maybe you're thinking, I'm just really, I hear what you're saying, but I'm uncertain. I'm uncertain about how to get started. Did you know that we have a foundations class starting in February? First Sunday in February, we'll have a foundations class. This foundations class is geared towards those who are thinking, I want to start or restart my Christian walk. I'm fine with everybody knowing that I'm going back to school because I need to learn the basics. And do you know as a Christian leader, I go back to the basics all the time. 
I revisit the fundamentals all the time, the doctrines of our faith so that I make sure that our teaching is correct. If you're thinking to yourself, I need to start making disciples, or if you're thinking to yourself, I need to become a disciple, I need to learn the truth about Jesus even past my salvation, get yourself in that foundations group. Y'all, again, I'm talking about out of our week long, seven days, we at the church are calling ourselves together for four hours maybe. Four hours. And don't forget that as we seek to know Jesus, our minds will be at war with the old nature. Daily at war with the old nature. So what we read, what we watch, what we listen to, what we think about, every day will be challenged by the old nature. Every day we'll try to be deceived by our own nature and by the enemy. I'd even ask this. Do you hang around with folks that fear God? Teenagers, college kids, senior adults, everywhere in between. Are you hanging out with people that can talk about Jesus easy? Are you hanging out with people that honor God or want to honor God where they can express their faith, they can talk about their victories and their struggles? Because you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. That has a lot of truth to it. Who are you hanging around with? And you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, I, it's, it's kind of a missionary thing. You know, I'm around them, I hope the light rubs off. But you're living in more dark than you are light, so how's that work? So make sure the circles that you are in, either you are influencing those circles, or you need to get another circle. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. Ephesians 4, 23. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. God's Spirit, His very presence inside of y'all this is discipleship 101 don't miss this the spirit of god works together with the word of god to renew our mind god's spirit works together with our head to renew our heart and mind and renew here actually means to renovate so the work of transition from old to new has a project manager the transition in your life that has changed that needs to be renovated from old to new has a, a manager on site who is the Holy Spirit and his project plans are always the truth and his function is conviction of sin and God's righteousness. The Bible says in Philippians 2.13 God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. When you get saved the Spirit of God is working to renew your mind and to renovate your head from rated R to rated G. It's the truth. I mention it that way because every family and child seems to have a story of where the kid either said a word or used a phrase that he didn't know the worldly meaning of it, but everybody else did. And so while the, ch the child or the kid was like, What's, what's the deal? Everybody else is even laughing or the parents are mortified, right? Now, I have those personal stories in my own family, but I can't tell them because it used those words. I remember one time we were at Walmart and Davis, my son, who's now 11, was a toddler then, putting sentences together. I had him in my arms, checking out in the line at Walmart, and there was a guy in front of him, in front of us, that had obviously been working under the hood of a car all day by his job because you could tell by his hands. Now, I thought it as I saw it. 
However, Davis pronounced it out loud. Daddy, why are his hands so dirty? Like just, and, and three people started looking around. I was like, oh, son, he works hard. He's a laborer in the workforce and he's getting after it, you know? And I'm like, what are you doing? You don't announce how people are dirty in front of you. Mortified, felt terrible. The guy was awkward. But you see, the mind of a child is fresh and new. Calls it what it is. Sees the truth, innocent, without intention to harm or sin. He just said it out loud. And so as we get older, our mouths become more ingrained in our nature. Without check from the Spirit of God, we find ourselves with a word's mouth trending downward in a progressively worse condition. And that's just one example. And you may say to yourself, well, how's that? Because I don't think any of us would have said that out loud. No, we'd have just said it behind his back. See, that's how, that, that's how the, it gets progressively worse. Well, when you get saved, God has finished the work on your position, but he's just getting started on your practice. That practice of defense for his glory and for the good of man. Together with the word of God, the spirit of God works to renovate our minds, our thoughts, and our attitudes. To what point? To the point where there's truth over lies. Where there's honest work over dishonest gain. Where there's clean mouth over coarse language. Where there is gentleness instead of anger. Where there is security instead of generosity. Where there is security instead of insecurity. Where there is generosity instead of clenched fist. The Spirit of God works together with the Word of God for men to seek forgiveness instead of swelling up in pride for people to take tempting thoughts captive instead of allowing our minds to roam. That's what the work of the Spirit of God is doing within our new nature. J.D. Greer said biblical change is when the Spirit of God uses the story of God to make the beauty of God come alive in our hearts. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24. Ephesians 4, 24 says, put on your new nature, created to be like God. This is the arrival. This is where we're headed. After you defend the old, we put on the new, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. See, this is our responsibility, that we have learned about Jesus and the Holy Spirit is working together with the Word of God. We are to put on the new nature because we are a new creation, a new man with a new nature. And because we belong to God and are to reflect the glory of God with the knowledge of Jesus, we are commanded to put on a new nature. I did not say suggested. Word of God says we are commanded to put on a new nature, characterized by righteousness and holiness. Now, as we've talked about putting off and putting on, I told you earlier that it was relative to clothes and clothing. i ask Greg to toss these up here real quick. It's a high-budget high budget prop. Thank you, sir. These two caps represent our nature. Old nature and new nature. This is not an endorsement of Nike. These are the caps that I had that were colored. This cap represents the old man. It represents the dark, worn out, stained, flimsy, old cap that if, if I continue to entertain this cap, it will either, y'all listen to this part, it will either shame me or tempt me if I continue to put this on. 
I'll either live in what I used to be always or I will live with the constant temptation of what I ask God for forgiveness of. If I take this cap, I am wearing the new nature or wearing the old nature each and every day. I take this old cap off because I have a new cap, a new cap for the new man. It is bright, fresh, and without blemish, and it is what I am supposed to wear. And you have got, when you wake up in the morning, you are looking at these two things in the mirror. And you have a choice between what is old and what you've been forgiven from or what is new and what God would lead you to. And so this is before us each and every single day, each and every single situation. And don't forget that God's Spirit, together with His Word and His purpose, is drawing us towards this. Now, I'm sure you're thinking by now, I know that you brought two caps up here. That was a great illustration. You probably could have just told us about it because you didn't have to bring this high-budget prop and tell us about the old nature, new nature, and demonstrated by your clothing. Well, let me show you sometimes where we often live. You see, we often live with enough of the old nature just to satisfy ourselves and enough of the new nature to satisfy the spirit. This is where we often live. And we can tell ourselves all we want to that this is okay, but hey, you and I both know it looks ridiculous. Are y'all picking up what I'm putting down? You and I, no matter, and no matter how you slice it, you and I both know this looks crazy. What do you mean? It's not the way it's supposed to be. This is not how it's supposed to be. Every morning when we get up, we have the opportunity. And y'all, we may think to yourself, I know I'm not living here anymore. We're not supposed to live here either. Gosh, this is hard to do it with my caps like this. And be serious. But this is not where we're supposed to live either. Let me ask you a question. Who told us, who told us, Christian, that this was okay? Who has told you in your life that this is okay? You want me to tell you who tells you it's okay? This one. This one tells you that this is okay. When Jesus is saying, new, 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 new. I didn't come so you could take up your old life. I came so that you could live with a new digs. Amen. Let me, by way of invitation, let me throw them down here to you. By way of invitation, thank you. Good catch. If you wear the old, y'all listen to me. If you wear the old and that's the clothing you have on, metaphorically speaking, own it. Own it. Stop pretending. If you wear it, you wear it. There's a point in time where we've all got to face the facts of who we are and who we are not. If you wear the old nature, own it and stop pretending. The reason that you are unsatisfied, unfulfilled, is because that void that you have in your life that's meant to be filled by God is filled with everything else. And everything else is deceiving. Man, but here's the truth. If God gives new life, it's never too late to change. If, if God is the author of new life and we are still living, breathing, teaching, knowing that God is alive and well, 
You should know that if you are living in the old nature, man, forget about what people think. Forget about if people would know. Forget about all of that. There can be change. There can be a story of redemption. That's what God is in the business of. But as long as you hang on to that old gray hat, you'll have regret and shame, resentment and want to the rest of your life. If you're wearing both, and listen, I know I'm not crazy. I know where we live. You know what? Evangelism's hard because everybody here is saved. Everybody in this neck of the woods can name three preachers and five churches. Enough to talk Christianity. But the truth of it is, where we live, a lot of folks wearing two hats. And again, I ask the question, who told us that that was okay? When the Bible says, Jesus has come to make you a new creation. And the Bible says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth. And the Bible says, I will give them a new heart and put a new spirit in you. And the Bible says, he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. New, 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 new. New man, new message, new mission. Let me close with this quote. F.B. Meyer said, the Lord Jesus is our textbook and our author. The Lord Jesus is our teacher the schoolhouse in which we were taught, and the object lesson in which all truth is enshrined. But all is in vain unless we definitely and forever put away the old man. If you're living and breathing, you got time. Amen? If you're living and breathing, you got time. Would you stand with me to your feet? Y'all, this is the time in our church service where we have an invitation. And sometimes I want to make it as, as comfortable and easy as possible for you. I want you to know that if you don't walk this all down to this aisle to talk to a pastor, or if you want to come to the altar, guys, I, I, I think this needs to continue to be a church where we pray at the altar. We, we are unashamed to admit that we don't have it all together. We come to the altar with our, our needs. But y'all, sometimes there's a call before God and everybody else just to say, I'm sick of tired, sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm unfulfilled and I know it. I need help and I know it. I'm lost and I know it. I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. I want to be right with God and right with people. And unashamedly just walk this aisle, come and grab one of us and let us help you. That's why we're here. If you want to take a step in the right direction to change, you want to join this church, come and talk to us about it. We'd love to talk to you about that. If today you're thinking, I saw two kids be baptized, I haven't been baptized, and I know I need to be, come and, come and let us talk about that. You need to be saved today. You want to make sure that you're right with God? Come on. This is why we are here. Why we give an invitation. You don't have to walk this aisle. You don't have to come to the altar, but there's something special about it when you do. Lord, I thank you for your constant call away from ourselves and towards your perfect, holy, and righteous nature. God, may we understand even right now as we are thinking it over, as we are thinking about ourselves before you, may we understand that you are working for our good. God, you are, you are daily trying to help us keep it between the ditches. You are the one that is keeping our family together. You are the one that is the only one that is, that is keeping our path straight. So Lord, I just pray that we would yield to you.
give way to you, give more of our life that we've been given. Lord, I pray that the change that takes place in our life would be a change that matters. And God, as we are thinking over next steps of membership or baptism, salvation, Lord, that your spirit would prompt us and that we would be obedient. I thank you, oh God, for your Bible. Lord, that helps me and holds me accountable. I need more of you. Freely admit that and thank you, Lord, for hearing us. In Jesus' name, amen. Altars open for you. Have people here to help you.